Well, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. And uh, once again, welcome to all of you over in the, the venue. Thank you, Pastor Brandon, for leading worship over there and the team that makes that such a nice uh, place. And again, all of you that are watching online, I'm just grateful for, for all of you. One of my uh, favorite Christmas stories, it's a, it's a true story, it took place on a World War I battlefield on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day 101 years ago, December 1914. Now, when I first heard the story, when I first read about the story, I, I, I thought it was made up or maybe over-embellished or whatever, but, but it wasn't. It's a true story. German and British soldiers were stationed in trenches just a few hundred yards apart, and for weeks they'd been engaged in, in battle. A lot of soldiers had died, obviously. But now it was Christmas Eve, and something very special was about to happen. It started when some German soldiers lit candles on their Christmas trees which was a crazy thing to do because the British soldiers could see them and gave away their, their positions. But instead of firing on them, the, the British soldiers wanted to outdo them and so they started shooting off rockets and they built big bonfires. Well, which then led the, the Germans to begin singing Christmas carols. And they eventually invited the British to join in, which one British soldier called out, we would rather die than to sing in German. A German soldier responded, if we had to listen to you sing in German, it would kill us too. <laughs> you can sing in English. So believe it or not, throughout the night, each camp listened to each other sing. Now shortly after daybreak, it's now Christmas Day, Hundreds of soldiers on both sides left their trenches and they met up in the middle, kind of in this neutral zone, this no man's land, and they began shaking hands and laughing and all that kind of stuff. Both armies had received lots of comforts from home, mostly food and candy and tobacco and those kinds of things, and they began to share their supplies with each other. A soccer game even broke out between the, the shell holes and all the barbed wire that was out there. Now when the generals and the high command of each army heard what was happening, they weren't very happy. In fact, they uh, spoke out against the truth, saying that this sort of thing could sap the truth of their will to fight. But of course it didn't. The truce only lasted throughout Christmas Day and then the fighting resumed. And in the following years, about 10 million people would lose their lives in this miserable war. But on this single day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, two sets of enemies put aside their differences long enough to practice peace, to experience peace. Now here's the cool thing. Uh, to celebrate the centennial anniversary of this event, the, the British Royal Legion and a UK, uh, UK supermarket chain produced a three and a half minute movie about it. Technically it was, a, it was a, an ad, but it was really, really well done, respectfully made, and, and I have a copy of it, and I, I, I wanna show it to you right, right now, okay? Jenkins, I'm clean. No. 
Beloved, when I um, saw that, read about that story, when I think about this one day when these boys experienced joy and happiness and peace instead of death, dying, blood, and war and all that stuff, I, I can't help but think that this is how God wanted life to be. God wanted us as human beings to get along with one another. He wanted there to be peace between people. And most importantly, God wanted there to be peace between you and him. But sin messed it all up. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it messed everything up. Peace went out the window at that moment. In fact, you can see the impact of sin in Adam and Eve's first child, Cain, can't you? He ends up killing his own brother. He murders his own brother, Abel. Think about it, there were basically only four people on the planet at the time, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and because of sin, there was no peace in that first family, which means that there was no peace on the planet at that moment. Here's the deal. Left unchecked, sin will push people to do some of the most ugliest things imaginable. It's caused some of you to do just some really, really ugly things, hasn't it? Sin, by its very nature, is self-destructing. In fact, I'll go as far to say that sin is the most terrifying force or power on the planet. It literally 
destroys everything that gets in its way. I've told you this before many times. Sin is like a, a you know, a, a category five hurricane. Nothing can stand in its path. Nothing. Sin destroys personal relationships. Just search your brain for a moment. Probably doesn't take you very long to think of a relationship you had that's no longer, you know, there's no longer peace in it. Something happened. Sin. It destroys marriages. You can, you can make a vow to somebody in front of witnesses and in front of God Almighty, you can make a vow because of sin, you'll blow it off. You'll blow off the vow that you made. Sin destroys families. Destroys children and teenagers and adults. It, it destroys churches and cities and I'm watching it destroy this great nation. Destroys civilizations. It destroys people of all color. Destroys people that are rich. Destroys people that are poor. Beloved, nothing, absolutely nothing is left in sin's wake. Nothing. But most importantly, for some of you, sin is destroying you right now as I speak. Some of you don't know it. You don't know the, the God of the Bible. You don't understand this thing that I'm talking about called sin, and so you don't even know that it's destroying you right now. Sadly, there are some of you here, and you know Christ. You've given your life to Christ. You're very much aware of sin. You're very much aware of what the scriptures teach, and yet you're making the decision right now to blow God off and live in sin, and you know it's destroying your life right now. You know it. You're, you're seeing the impact of your sin in your own life and in your family, maybe your business or whatever, and you're making the choice to allow it to destroy your life, family, business, whatever it might be. Sin destroys your hope and your will and your values, and for some of you, it's destroying your future. I've done this a long, long time. Some of you have walked with the Lord a long, long time, and we've all seen how sin destroys a beautiful plan that God has for a life. All this to say, because of sin, there, there's no peace. There's no peace. Said it many times, you know. Whenever you um, read about two nations or whatever signing a peace treaty, <laughs> all that is is a moment for everybody to reload. It's just not gonna last. But when you get to this season, the Christmas season, you, you, you can't miss God's heart. Can't miss it. He wants there to be peace. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bring peace, peace between people, but way more importantly, Jesus came to bring peace between you and him. 
In Isaiah chapter nine, there's a prophecy given about the Messiah, Jesus, who was gonna come, and it says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then Prince of Peace. Let's all say that together, Prince of Peace. Say it again, Prince of Peace. A little over 2,000 years ago on the first Christmas Eve, Mary gave birth to this Prince of Peace. It was in a crummy, dirty, barn basically. God cared so much about you that he sent his son to make peace between you and him possible. Just because the Prince of Peace came doesn't mean that automatically there's peace between you and the Father. There's not. He made it possible. And I'm going to talk more about that in, in just a, a, a minute. Now on the night that the Prince of Peace was born, on the night that Jesus was born in that crummy barn, not too far away on the other side of town, there was a group of teenage boys and these boys were working the night shift. They were watching a bunch of sheep on a hillside when out of nowhere an angel appeared and blew their minds. And I wanna read the story. Um, Pastor Gordon, I, I, the lights are kind of weird, but he normally sits right back there, and Gordon and I have led a number of trips to Israel, and I've led a number of trips to Israel just on my own, and we're thinking about another one maybe in 2017, and uh, one of the things we do is um, we, we rarely take anybody into Bethlehem, okay? That's where the Prince of Peace was born. But uh, I've been there a number of times, and it, it looks nothing like it would have looked back in biblical days. And it's kind of a crummy place, to be straight up with you. It's kind of ran by the Palestinians. They kind of control it. And so we rarely go into Bethlehem. But what we do is, is we'll stop the buses and, and we'll, we'll overlook the hillsides. And imagine, uh, I don't know, a little bit, you're helping the rolling hills of, of Oakdale. That's kind of what it looks like. And so we'll, we'll stop the buses, you can look over the hills, and we'll point out Bethlehem. We'll say, see right out there, see that town, that city right out there? That's Bethlehem. That's the very place that uh, uh, the Prince of Peace was, was born. But where we're at is kind of the, the, the hills where all of these young shepherd boys are working the night shift, okay? Which, which is what we're going to read right now, okay? Luke chapter 2, look at verse 8, if you have your Bible. If not... The scripture, I think, is in your notes. It'll be up on the, on the jumbotrons because we want you to read uh, about this unbelievable moment in history. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you, you, you happen to have a an encounter with an angelic being, you'd be terrified. If an angelic being right now showed himself on this platform, you'd be terrified. And so here were these young boys doing what they always do, been out there probably many, many months, some years. They're terrified at this scene. But the angel reassured them do not be afraid. 
That's one of the great messages of this season to us as believers. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In fact, all throughout the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, you read that phrase, don't be afraid. And the reason why God says it over and over again is because he knows us and we can be afraid. There can be things in this world that can frighten us. There are things that frighten me. And we have to keep coming back to the word of God that tells us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. This good news was meant for everybody. Everybody needed this good news. What is it? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Before I go on, you know, this is a, it's a big book, got a lot of stuff in it, you know. There's this thing called the Old Testament, 39 books. Starts with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Goes all the way through the book of Malachi. And there's about 400 plus years of silence. And then we have the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all the way through the book of Revelation, 27 books. And when you get to uh, Genesis chapter 3, it's in Genesis chapter 3 that uh, everything goes haywire. It's because of what happens in Genesis chapter 3 that there's no peace in the world anymore. It's in Genesis chapter 3 that everything between you and, and God gets messed up. Sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve blow off God. And from Genesis chapter 3 in the Old Testament, through all 39 of those books, there's basically one message, that God was going to send a Savior. God was going to send a Messiah. Now, they didn't know who it was. But God so loved us, he so cared about us, he knew that sin had, had messed up the peace that there was between us and him, and he cared about us so much, he tells us, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send the Savior. It's going to happen. Well, the last book of the Old Testament ends, Malachi ends, and like I said, God was silent for a little over 400 years, God doesn't speak through any prophets or anything. Then one day, God sends an angel down to a gal and tells that gal, you're gonna have a baby. You and your husband are gonna have a baby. She was older, husband was older, and that baby was John the Baptist. That same angel, a few months later, shows up to a young gal by the name of Mary, a virgin, maybe 13 years old, 14 years old, wasn't very old. And that angel tells her, you're the one who's going to give birth to the long-awaited Savior, the Messiah, who throughout all 39 books, if you will, of the Old Testament, God promises. I'm gonna bring peace. 
I'm going to bring some good news, and it's for everybody, because sin has gooped up everybody, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. And we just read about these angelic beings who show up to a, a, a bunch of shepherd boys. I mean, they were the low guys on the work totem pole. There, there wasn't a crummier job out there than to be out you know, on the side of a mountain at night watching over some sheep. That's who God says, hey, I want you to know something. The Savior been born. The Messiah has been born. Unbelievable moment. Verse 12 says, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to whom, to those with whom God is pleased. You see, it's not peace on earth to everybody. It's peace on earth to whom those God is pleased with. Man, don't you want God to be pleased with you? Because that's where you find peace. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And here's what I want to do. Uh, I'm basically gonna, gonna zero in on one thing, though I, I know there's two things in your, in your notes, and I kind of changed this all around on Saturday. For whatever reason, as I was kind of going through some things, Friday and Saturday, I decided to make a shift, and I don't know if it's of the Lord or not, but I, I wanted to make a shift. I wanna give you a couple thoughts about this season. No, number one, this season reminds us of the good news. Now, the, we ought to remember the good news all the time, but certainly when you get to this season, it's a time to remember the good news. Look at verse 10. The angel said to them, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. Man, don't we need some good news? They needed good news 2,000 years ago, and boy, we, we need some good news today. going to bring great joy to all the people. The, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And beloved, to really understand this, you, you got to go back to Adam and Eve's sin. You got to go back to Genesis chapter 3. Because if you don't understand Genesis 3, then <laughs> this season doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't mean anything. Because of sin, we're all doomed. Because of sin, we don't have any peace with God. The, the, the great prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 29. He says, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. It's not the color of your skin. It's not how much money you got in your 401k. It's not what region of the country you live in. It's your sin 
It's your sin that has cut you off from God. Because of your sin, he has turned away and won't listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers and your fingers are filthy with, with sin. Your lips are full of lies and your mouth spews corruption. You see, that's the bad news. It is from Genesis chapter three on, you have sin. Two human beings that are sinful gave birth to other human beings who were sinful who gave birth to other you know, human beings who were sinful and you have generation of sin after sin after sin after sin after sin after sin after sin. And here we are in 2015. And when you were born, you were born in sin. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. Sin has goofed up all of us. It's cut us all off from God. Romans chapter three says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But this season, what we celebrate, the birth of this baby, is good news. Because he was the Messiah. He was the Savior. He was the one that God promised who was going to come and make it possible to have your sins forgiven. To make it possible that there would now be peace between you and God. In fact, let me tell you how how. Uh, bad sin is. Sin has so impacted some of your lives in this building, over in the venue, watching me online, it has so impacted your life, you don't even believe in him, do you? You think this is all hogwash. Oh, you're glad for the season, because you got a tree up, I'm sure, in your home, and you go out and buy presents for everybody, and you exchange presents, you do all of that. You probably put lights on your home. You might even send out cards to everybody. You like the season. It's a, it's a hard season not to like, because it's so beautiful. But to you, it's December and that's it. And you might get a gift or six. But sin has so impacted your life, you, you don't even believe in God. You don't even believe in him. Romans chapter five says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, this, the implication is, is that we were all wrong in God's sight at one time or another. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. See, at one moment, we were all wrong with God. There was no peace between us and God. Sin had cut us off from God. But because of that baby being born, and when you put your trust in that baby or the, your faith in that baby, the Messiah, the Savior, you now have been made right with God. There's now peace between you and God. That, that's the good news, you see. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, all the crummy things that sin did to you, it made you an enemy of God, has been nullified. Your faith in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, brought peace between you and God. See? 
The Bible says that we've been made right in God's sight. In other words, the war is over. The war is over. God's not angry with you anymore. The problem with sin has been settled. God no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your rebellion. He no longer sees your wickedness. God no longer holds anything against you. This is why it's called the good news. Because it's good news. And I know for some of you, you know, you, you came and, and you see all the beautiful decorations and, and beautiful choir and orchestra and the and flowers and it's just this great season. And man, this, your preacher's nuts, man. He's talking about all the sin and stuff. <laughs> the reason why there's this beauty, the reason why we sing these great songs and decorate our churches, the reason why this season is so beautiful is because we understand the bad news. And this season is all about good news. Now, there are a lot of blessings that we as believers have to wait for. Isn't that true? We don't get a, our home in heaven until we die and go to heaven. We, uh, we don't get to experience freedom from sin until we get to heaven, right? I mean, we still got to wrestle around with it. Which, by the way, that in itself tells you just how powerful sin is, Christian is that even after you receive the Messiah, even after you give your life over to the Savior, even after you now have the Holy Spirit living in you, you still gotta wrestle around with sin, don't you? That's how powerful it is, is that this side of heaven, we're always grappling with it, always. And I don't care how long you've walked with God, you're gonna grapple around with sin. That's, that's just how, how ugly and powerful it is. But there's coming a day when we get to heaven, we'll be in glory, you don't have to deal with it anymore. We don't get to see the Lord's face until, we, uh, until he comes and raptures his church, right? But there are some blessings that we do get to experience at the moment of salvation, and one of the greatest by far is that we have peace with God because we have a relationship with his son, the Prince of Peace, <clears throat> who has come. And by the way, this peace you've made with God is not subjective, it's objective. In other words, it's not a feeling, it's a fact. It doesn't matter how you feel, Christian. There are times when I don't feel like God and I are at, at peace with one another. I get it. And we have to, as believers, we have to get by our feelings and get to a higher place. Fact. And the fact is, is that if you truly know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is now peace between you and God, regardless of how you feel. Okay? Now, I want to make sure you, you, you understand this. Okay? This peace that Jesus brought didn't happen because of your performance or because you worked hard at it or whatever, because you deserved it. There are some you know, religions out there who will teach you that as long as you work really hard and do all these right things, you know what? There'll be peace between you and God. And how ridiculous is that? If that were true, then why was the Savior, the Messiah, born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago if you could deal with it on your own? Why is there a cross where that Savior dies a horrific death 
If you could somehow, through your good works, your good action, somehow, you know, bring peace between you and God. How crazy would it be for us to celebrate a season like this? And yet there are some religious groups out there that will tell you that yes, you, 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 you have to work hard. <laughs> it's just blasphemous. It's absolutely blasphemous. You can't, you can't work hard and someday die and stand before God and say, hey God, man, I, I did a lot of great things. We now have peace, right? <laughs> no, that's not how it works. You're made right with God only one way. Peace comes between you and God only one way, and that's when you invite the Prince of Peace into your life. And it's at that moment God deals with your sin, all the stuff that has cut you off from the Father, and at that moment, peace comes between you and him. That's good news. That's good news. Isaiah chapter 53 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. See, you get it? How I have come to have peace with fathers because of what Jesus Christ did, the Messiah. It's him, all him. Now most unbelievers would never think of themselves as being at war with God or that they were somehow enemies of God. Most of them probably don't even believe in God, so why would they think that they're enemies of his? So they don't wake up in the morning and strategize how they're gonna you know, thwart God's plan. In fact, I would say that most unbelievers would probably be neutral as it relates to God. And, and because of this, you know, their neutrality somehow leads them to a false sense of peace. I remember once I was playing softball, this goes back a lot of years, and I was playing on a team that primarily had a bunch of unbelievers on it, but they knew what I did for a living. And we were playing a pretty good team, and their coach, or our coach came up to me and said, hey, Rick, will you pray for us? Because if there is a God, I want him on my side against these guys. <laughs> Never forget that. You see, he didn't have any animosity towards God. He was okay with God. He didn't believe in God, but hey, listen, I know you do, Rick, and if there is one, I want him on my side. See, I think that's kind of how most people probably view God. I know that's how I viewed him. Before I gave my life to Christ, I, I, I didn't care what you Christians did. You guys want to, you know, come and sing and do what, do it. Want to give your hard-earned money away? Give it away. Thank you for feeding the poor. Thank you for all that you do. I, I had no animosity with God. I, I, I felt like I was somewhat neutral towards God. But here's a problem. There's no such thing as being neutral with God. Let me tell you something, listen to me very carefully. The unsaved person is only at peace with one thing and one thing only. The unsaved person is only at peace with their flesh. That's it. That's what they have peace with. 
And as a side note, God is never on the side of unbelievers. Isaiah chapter 48 says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And that word wicked in the Old Testament would be just a way of saying somebody who's not a believer, somebody who doesn't believe in the Lord. And that doesn't mean that there won't be moments of peace. I had a lot of moments of peace before I gave my life to Christ, to the Prince of Peace. But there's no true peace between you and God if you don't know him. And this is what I'd like to, like to do. Um, I did this last night. Um, I didn't have you fill out your, your Connect card, but I want everybody to pull out a Connect card right now. Okay, everybody pull that card out right in front of you. If you're in the front row, you gotta reach behind you. And uh, I wanna give you a second just to fill that card out, and I want everybody to do it, okay? It's an important moment for us as a church that you'd fill this card out and give us your email address and all that kind of stuff. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, mark that box so that I know that you're a visitor. You know, I'm not gonna show up at your door tomorrow night at dinner time. I promise, you know, I won't do that unless you want me to or you want somebody from the church to. But that just kind of a, makes me go, yay, man, I'm glad you were here. I'll send you an email or a little letter saying thanks for coming. I think it's a polite thing to do if you're here for the first time, and I think it's a polite thing to do to say thanks for coming. You uh, have a prayer request, you can put it down there at the, at the bottom. And on Tuesdays, we always gather and, and pray. We'd love to be praying for you, okay? But here's the deal. The Bible teaches that um, God is the one who opens up our eyes and not these eyes. These eyes only help us see physical things, you know, flowers, notes, cards. But there's another set of eyes, kind of spiritual eyes, if you will. And God is the one who opens up the eyes of lost people. He opened my eyes a lot of years ago, decades ago. And I believe that right now, in this room, maybe over in the venue, maybe watching online right now, that the Lord has opened up your eyes to a truth, the greatest truth ever. And that is, your sin has cut you off from God. And that there's only one way you can be right with God, and that's through a relationship with the Prince of Peace who was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. And I wanna give you an opportunity to invite the Prince of Peace in your life. That you would leave here today knowing that everything is okay between you and God. Now you may not know a whole lot about God. In fact, you're gonna walk out here probably knowing very little about him other than the fact that I've made peace with him. And so if you're here over in the venue, why don't you just close your eyes for just a second. And for some of you, right now, your heart is just beating. You just, you just know something's going down. And I've maybe never met you. Person next to you doesn't know your heart's beating like crazy. It could be your spouse, could be your you know, friend. But you know. The God who created you inside your mother's womb, who knit you together, is opening your eyes to a truth. 
And I'm just going to lead a, say a prayer, and you don't find this prayer in the Bible, but you just, just believe it and just mean it. If you mean this prayer, I just want you to say it quietly. If you mean it, I want you to know something. The greatest miracle ever is going to happen right now. And at this moment, you and God are going to be at peace. And so just, just pray this. By the way, last night, I don't know, 20, 30 people prayed. Just say, dear Jesus, I think I understand this. My, my sin cut me off from you. fact, I didn't even believe in you. Really. And right now, I understand. Come into my life right now, Jesus. Bring peace between me and God. I surrender my life to you right now, Jesus. It's yours. Now, while you kind of keep your eyes closed for a second, obviously I can't see you in the venue or at home, but in here, if you, if you prayed that, would you raise your hand and, so I can rejoice and just know and yeah, I see, ma'am. Yeah, very cool up there. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got you right down here. Yeah. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. I'm over on this side here. You can just kind of look up at me in the back there, whole row, man. Very cool right here. Yeah, cool. Anybody else? Yeah. Okay, everybody look up here, just real quick. And, and <laughs> here's the thing. All of these were cards that were turned in last night to, to me, and they're special cards, and I'm gonna ask you to do something special to the card, those of you that prayed. And here's the thing, I don't know whether it's genuine or not, I don't know. I always use the, the phrase, you, you've made a profession of faith. Because I don't know whether it's genuine or not. I think time will bear that out. It could be that you're looking at all these flowers and you heard all this music and you're just, ooh, you're all excited, you got a goosebump, and man, I, I'm praying. And in reality, you, you, you don't get it. But if you pray, all I want you to do, and this includes over in the venue, I just want you to put a little star up in the corner. Just say, hey, I prayed. I don't really get it all that much. I, I, you know, I, I know, I remember the day I gave my life to Christ. I, I didn't know anything. I just knew I was a sinful person and my sin goofed up, me and God, and I knew Jesus was the answer. That's all I knew, and that, that's okay. Just put a star in the corner. And what'll happen is, as soon as this service is over with, you're just gonna leave your, your cards on the chair, you'll leave them on the chair over in the venue, and our ushers and greeters will pick them all up, and before the next service starts, they're gonna give me all the cards that have stars on them. And I will take these cards home, and the greatest thing I can do for you is pray for you. But I also want to invite you to um, something I do once or twice a year, and it's called the Discovery Class. 
And uh, the discovery class happens down here on Wednesday nights over in a fireside room. It's way different than this. Um, we sit around tables and it's much more intimate and I'm gonna invite you to it. So, so you're gonna put a star on there and say, and then you're gonna get an email from me or a snail mail from me, whatever, whatever it is you got on there. I'm just gonna invite you to the discovery class. It's something I do every year, it's really a lot of fun. And it's a way to begin to tease out, you know, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? That's why we call it the follow class. And if the decision was genuine, you'll, you'll do all that you can to be there. We have childcare, we got it all. You just gotta register, but I wanna remind you because it's not until I think January 13th, Wednesday night, January 13th. And uh, I'll add you to this list right here and there are a lot of others. I'm sure next hour in the next couple of weeks and just love to have you all in a room with me. Now some of you are probably going, whoa, whoa, man, hey, listen, I gave into my life to Christ last week, last month or whatever, I'd like to come to that discovery class or the follow class is what we call it. All you have to do is just put a little box up in the corner, okay? You put a box up in that corner and I'll also invite you to the follow class and that just lets me know you already know the Lord but you'd like to come to this little eight-week class that we have and, and learn a little bit more about the basics of the faith. And so you put a little box up in the corner and I'll send you an email too. I'll invite you to the follow class, which is uh, January 13th, as I said, okay? Now here's the deal. Um, not only did the Prince of Peace come to bring peace between us and God, but he wants us to experience this peace in our everyday lives. And it's possible. Let me give you, just quickly, my last few minutes that I have, um, how you can experience peace of mind in your life today, Christian. And the first one is this, is peace of mind comes when you learn to trust in God's loving care. When you really trust in God's loving care. Isaiah chapter 26 says, you, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust you. True peace. You, you can find bogus peace out there in a bottle of booze. You can find bogus peace out there looking at porn over the internet. You can find some bogus peace out there by working really hard, you know, becoming a workaholic and just, just kind of working and working and working. But if you want True peace, Christian. It comes when you uh, really learn to trust in his loving care. And it's something you gotta learn to do. There's no such thing as a problem-free problem life. There's always gonna be something that'll get you all goofed up and anxious, always. But here's the deal, regardless of the problem, you still need the same response every time, which is trusting in God's loving care. You gotta trust him. Even when everything around you just seems weird and just everything's going crazy and you're just wondering what in the world, you just have to trust him. Philippians chapter four says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And it's his peace that'll guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. 
Jesus. Now, here's the deal. When you pray, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you. You're the one I'm going to trust in. Now, the second thing is this, is peace of mind comes when you learn to, just, to surrender to God's loving control. And they're two separate things. Romans chapter eight says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, basically, the word of God says you got two choices. You got life and peace, or you got death, and you get to make the choice. If you're a Christian, you need to understand something very important. The, the real reason your mind is in turmoil, the real reason your mind is full of anxiety, the real reason your mind is full of tension is because you're fighting a war with God in your mind. You're fighting over who's going to be in control of your life. That's where the tension comes. Listen, every day that you wake up, you got a decision to make. Okay, who's going to be in charge of my life today? Me or God? And when you make the decision to leave God out of the equation and you say, God, I'm going to be in control, basically what you're doing is you're playing God. And listen to me. When you play God, the real God who lives within you isn't going to like it. And there's going to be turmoil in your life. There'll be turmoil. When you go to war with the real God, you're, 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 you're going to lose. And so every day, you got to wake up and say, okay, here's the deal. Man, I sure want to be in control of my own life. I want to control it all, but here's the deal, Lord. That just brings all kinds of tension in my life. And so, God, I'm going to let you be in control of my life. And so you wake up, and you spend some time in the Word of God. You spend some time in prayer. You spend some time learning about what God wants you to do. And you just simply say, God, I'm surrendering my love over to you. And I'm going to trust in your loving care today. Now, how do you know if you've surrendered your life over to Jesus? What's the evidence of a surrendered life? Well, the evidence of a surrendered life is always obedience. When God says, there, there are some things that I want you to do, you do them. When God says, there are some things I don't want you to do, you don't do them. That's how you know. It's pretty simple. You want to know if you're living a surrendered life, which brings peace. Just ask yourself a question. Am I doing what God wants me to do with my life? Or do you, are there some things that you know are wrong? You know God doesn't want you to do, and you're doing them anyway. Peace comes when you really, when you, when, when you really get it. Psalms. 119 says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. There is great peace when you love God's word. And, and not just, I know people who will tell me, I love God's word as they live in sin. That's not what this verse is talking about. When you love the word of God, you'll obey the word of God. And when you obey the word of God, let me tell you something, that's when you begin to experience just unbelievable peace in a very chaotic, crazy um, world. And just real quickly, for those of you that will go, will have no peace if I don't get you the last fill-in. <laughs> I, I want you to have peace. This season reminds us 
that we have something great to share with others. One of the beautiful things about these, these shepherds was, as soon as they saw that baby, and they put it all together, man, bam, they go out the door and they were gonna tell other people about it. They were gonna tell others about it. And I think this is a, a season when we are just reminded, wow, we got something great to share with people. And let's let these uneducated shepherd boys be examples to us of going out and sharing this unbelievable truth, the good news with others. And you know, this next week, we've made it pretty easy for you. Buy one of those CDs, buy two of them, one for you, one for a friend, give them out to all your friends, take those tickets, invite some friends, bring them down here and let them experience the fellowship of believers. Let them hear some of this great music. Let them hear a message from the word of God and believe, let's believe that God will do something unbelievable in their life. That they might experience peace with God also. Everybody stand up. Over in the venue, stand up. I'm gonna pray and then you're gonna leave all those cards on your chairs and then our, our usher greeter team will pick them all up, okay? Father, thank you, Lord, for today and the time that we've had to be together. I'm thankful for all the hands that went up, Lord, and I don't know whether they're real decisions or not. I'm gonna trust that they are. And God, I'm gonna do all that I can to help them understand their decision. And so, Lord, I look forward to praying for these folks, getting a hold of them. I look forward to meeting them in a very intimate setting at the follow class. Lord, uh, thanks for your goodness. May we have all kinds of opportunities this week to tell others about this program we got coming up Thursday and Friday and Saturday and all that, Lord. May this place be filled up. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you guys, okay?